0: Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. We have an affordable $199 online GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam, a full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Also, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, Please contact me at Tyler at Achievable.me with the subject line, Podcast Topic. Now, today on the show, we have Travis Miner from Open Door Education. Travis, I'd love if you could introduce yourself.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Tyler. My name's Travis Miner. i the founder of C- and CEO of Open Door Education. We're a tutoring and test preparation firm based in the greater Boston area, We've been in business now for over 11 years, and we specialize in helping students uh, with both academic and classroom success and also helping students to prepare for tests that range from the SAT and ACT for high school students up through the GRE, the GMAT, and the LSAT. And we do our best to provide a really individualized and holistic support for students so that not only do they achieve the scores that they're hoping for, but also they do it with a strong sense of confidence.
0: That's great, I really love that. And I think that's also a really good, it makes you a great person to talk about our first topic today, uh, which is the five simple principles for effective preparation for just about any test. And these are your five principles,
1: so I think you should kick us off. Sounds good. So these these five principles, are uh, really, we see these as an important framework for any student preparing for a test. And whether they are working with a tutor, whether they are taking an online class or completely self-studying, these, these are consistent good practices for students getting ready for standardized tests. So the the first principle is to use quality materials. Too often, mm-hmm. we see that students uh, turn to resources that are, frankly, they're they're they don't match the test all that well. And so, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the most valuable resource that a student can be using is official content from the actual test that they're going to be taking, uh, right. because the The rigor with which those tests are constructed, the amount of data science that's gone into producing them, is just going to to create a library of practice problems and practice sections uh, that really exceed the quality of other stuff that's that's out there
0: yeah, I mean that's a big reason why the ETS power prep tests are so valuable, right and there's only a limited number of them, so most almost everyone I think gets other stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I think that, you know, at least when I, when I've had other conversations with other people too, it's, it's very much like the ETS power prep tests are gold. You want to buy the extras. So you have five and you want to like space them out <laughs> so that you are checking in with the real stuff. Cause at the end of the day, obviously the people who make the tests are
1: going to have the most accurate practice tests. Absolutely. And, uh, I think it's really important to note that most students will go beyond those those core tests that ETS provides, Mm -hmm. but uh, there no test prep program would be complete without without using those tests as part of the process.
0: Yeah, for sure. And do you have any specific tips about um, essentially like evaluating providers, making sure they're high quality?
1: That's a great question. So I think one of the the important considerations is really how how long has this company been doing this work and um, what is their reputation? And there's a lot of great information online. There's also uh, different, different companies and different content providers often cater to different styles in some cases, in terms of sort of the mm-hmm. attitude or the tact that they take towards the test. But also, in terms of what a student is aiming for score-wise, that there are those mm-hmm. those books that are uh, how to get the perfect score in the math section of the GRE, which I think are can be a fantastic resource, but really those are those are geared towards students that might already be pretty close to that, and so that might be where a student hopes to end up, but they should think about starting with materials that are appropriate to their current level of knowledge and comfort with the material and then work their way up so that the the last books or materials they're working through before test day are those ones that are really oriented around how do you get a perfect score? What's the weirdest, trickiest content you're going to see on test day?
0: Yeah, and, and I think one of the things you called out that I, I think is really important, there's just, for whatever reason, test prep has this like cottage industry of these content creators, like you said, that are making stuff for each exam, right? Like one of the ones, one of the uh, people that we think does a really good job is Test Prep Insight. So shout out to him. Um, And then there's also, you know, there's like the Crush the GRE and all these other websites, right? Like there's a bunch of these things and they provide good, honest reviews based on their point of view. And then the other thing I would also say is like, try to figure out if you can get a free trial and try a few different things before picking landing on the one that you want Um, we offer a free trial for our GRE course and I think a lot of people do there's only like a couple big ones that like they still don't but they also like you said have that reputation so they probably are banking on that but I do think in general like you read the reviews try stuff for free um, and see what fits you the best as well
1: absolutely it's it's not just a matter of finding great test prep content, but finding the right test prep content for for you as a student. Yeah, for sure. So cool. What is uh, principle number two then? So principle number two, and I think this goes for test prep and for life, practice what's difficult. It's uh, it, it, This is essential for both efficiency and effectiveness. I cannot tell you how often we encounter students that have done some self-preparation and in a lot of cases have sat down and done full tests beginning towards end or have found that they're really good in one section and so they, they practice it a lot because it, it feels good to do that and we get that positive reinforcement. Look how good I am at the verbal section. I want to do more of this and, and keep getting that positive feedback. But at the end of the day, what we really need to do is identify what's challenging for me and that's mm-hmm. where we need to spend our time, which also means that for a lot of students who are getting ready for the GRE, it's not a matter of spending hours on every chapter of the giant textbook they've gotten or every type of question, but really identifying where are my gaps, what's difficult for me, and and approaching that head on. And I think for whether you are an athlete, a musician, an academic, what, whatever it is that excites you, if you want to get better at something, you've really got to focus on the things that are most difficult about it for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think particularly the core advice of like, if you're really good at something like stop working on it is really important. Um, I have like two follow-ups to that comment and one, one potential caveat to that comment, just based off of uh, other conversation I've had the two follow-ups. First off, I completely agree that you need to focus on your weak areas, right? Right. I don't general. I generally don't like plug our GRE course on this, right? Like, because we already have the intro, but that is something that our course does automatically. And if there are other adaptive courses out there, I think they'll do that too. But even if you're using something that's not adaptive, you can just do it yourself by taking practice exams with whatever vendor you have, and then they should give you a breakout by like problem type or by chapter, or you know whether the chapter is in their own system or in some other way, but they should give you some indication of like, you got these problems wrong and this is a geometry problem. Right. And so from there, then you can go and you can go back to that chapter quiz or go back to that chapter, or you can even look for additional like questions from other vendors for that chapter. Like you can do this yourself too. Um, Some, you know, the, the good sort of adaptive software programs will, will do that for you. But um, you can also do do it yourself, no matter how you're studying, right? Even if you're using a book. Um, and then the second follow-up was talking about, um, or what, what I call sort of just like the rate of the problem in the test. And this kind of leads into the caveat too, which is the GRE covers, I don't know, let's say the quant, which I know a good bit better than the verbal. I think it has like 50 plus types of problems if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty. And some of those problems come up quite often and some of those problems come up extremely rarely. And in particular, and this is the caveat part, it feels like sometimes the really rare, really difficult problems are like, Oh, I got to master this like super complex thing to get a perfect score on the quant. But also you might be better served making sure you hundred percent the problems that show up really often right? So that's kind of the caveat is also don't go all the way the other way and only do the most difficult things, right?
1: Absolutely. I, and I really, I, I I appreciate that on a number of fronts In in part because it's I mean, it really becomes a math question in and of itself that like, all right, well, what's the opportunity cost of trying to get this question I have a 5% chance of seeing on this test, as opposed to investing the same amount of time in a question that I have a 75% chance of, of seeing on the test and where is my right. time best spent? Um, and I, I think one one important follow-up I'd, I'd want to share with students is that uh, when they've taken those practice tests and start to recognize, all right, this is the stuff that's that's most challenging for me. When I say practice what's difficult, I don't necessarily mean practice what is most difficult first, that there may be right. that may be the top of the mountain is that you you are hoping to get to those really unusual niche questions. but until you've got the stuff down that makes up a significant portion of the test, then don't don't focus on those weird one-off questions until you've locked down the stuff that's difficult and common
0: right and yeah it's more i think the the core of it is just definitely don't waste time really hammering on the stuff that you're nailing it anyways right absolutely like, if it's easy yeah absolutely cool. then you're
1: just spinning your tires
0: yeah for fun
1: near your, your own ego which is fine <laughs> but
0: like you know maybe if you had a if you had a tough practice test day go do an easy section for yourself just
1: but <laughs> don't focus on it well so then what's uh, what's tip number 3 so the the third principle here is understanding your mistakes and uh, i think this can show up a couple of different ways the first is that uh, it's i have frequently seen a scenario where a student takes a practice test or completes a set of practice problems, they check their answers, they evaluate, all right, how well did I did I do? What would my score have been, or what percentage did I did I get right? And then they put it away and move on. And I think that's an okay thing to do in the moment, but mm-hmm. it's really important to revisit questions that we miss. And if we really want to be thorough To also revisit those questions that you weren't so sure about and you might feel like there was a little bit of luck involved in getting it right, because if you can go back to those questions and understand not only what, what did I do wrong, why did I miss this, but if you can understand what would I need to do to get this question right, and you can feel a sense of confidence that I know what mistake I made and I'm confident that I can avoid it the next time I see this problem, then you've really taken value from that problem and teach yourself up to to not make that same mistake on another similar problem. And that's one of the things I really try to encourage uh, our our students that making mistakes is not a bad thing. It's how we learn. We wanna wanna try to make new mistakes. And so when we take the time to understand the mistakes that we've made so that we can Mm -hmm. avoid them in the future, then we we keep working at that at that bleeding edge of what we're really capable of um and ideally can make a brand new set of mistakes to learn from in the next test rather than rehashing old stuff
0: yeah have you um have you heard of sort of the idea uh that's come up a few times actually on this podcast but uh doing an error log where you like write down everything that you do, get wrong yeah absolutely
1: what a wonderful exercise and it's uh I, I imagine it works very differently for different people, but it's I think there's something to be said for maybe you you have an error log that you jot down a couple of notes right after you take the test and then put it away and then come back a day or two later with a fresh set of eyes and it's interesting how sometimes we're able to see new things in a problem or recognize errors in our thought process so i'd I'd even push that a step further that create your error log and Revisit it; that we don't just knock it off after the test, but something we circle back to with with a little bit of a fresh perspective.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I also think the other nice thing about an error log is that you can go and essentially, like over time, you can see what types of mistakes you're making in a way that you can like change your like overall test taking strategy. Like if you're making too many like careless mistakes, maybe slow down a little bit. Like you know, absolutely.
1: And hopefully, having a, an error log that you're losing using throughout your your process is also building confidence because you start seeing fewer and fewer errors, which that that feels pretty good. Maybe that's a good substitute to doing easy stuff again and again. Is it? You see the number of errors you're making decrease over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well. Cool. Then.
1: All right. Ready for tip number four. Tip number 4 absolutely this I I hope that this feels fairly obvious to folks but still bears emphasizing periodically take full practice tests and I I I think I'd put the emphasis on periodically there that mm-hmm. uh sometimes people uh go charging into the test prep process I see this especially with high school students but but also with folks getting ready for these um graduate school entrance exams where they say I'm going to get good at this test. I'm going to do it by taking more practice tests than anyone's ever taken. I'm going to do two practice tests every weekend, and they're they're putting in a ton of time, but really, probably wasting a fair amount of that time because they're they're not practicing what's difficult. They may not be understanding mistakes, um, and so I I really try to de-emphasize the process of taking full practice tests as the core part of preparation but it is mm-hmm. important to have this as benchmarks and i i'd encourage students to think of each of these sort of like a dress rehearsal that um, you take right. one you take one to start out with we've got to know we've got to sort of plant our flag and say where am i score wise how am i doing to begin with and i think that's an important way to start a test preparation process at, at least for a student who doesn't experience a great deal of test anxiety that start with a full practice test um, but then Work on the things that that test brings to the surface that you know you need to you, you need to emphasize and practice, and then take another full practice test. but we're doing that periodically, alternating between these uh, these stretches where we're emphasizing specific content material, working on those things that are difficult, understanding our mistakes, and then trying to string it all together, which is also essential for building our stamina, um, making sure we're really comfortable with our pacing. And above all else, hopefully seeing our our progress and feeling that that work is worthwhile. And if you're doing a practice test every single day, those numbers might move a little bit, but they might bounce around uh-huh. randomly, but you're not likely to see that that long-term growth in the same way that you can when you have a practice test scheduled, say, every every three weeks, you're doing a good chunk of work in between them. And that over time you can really see meaningful progress from one to the next which i I think helps keeps our keep our engines running as we're working through the process
0: yeah I mean i I, I love this topic and and talking to you about it I have I, I actually usually don't talk this much I have <laughs> I, 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 but I, it's an exciting topic for me I guess um a couple of things so first off I totally agree I also think in particular when you're taking these practice exams and as you call them dress rehearsals I think that's a really good way of putting it because you should treat them like a real practice test. Like you put the emphasis on periodic, but I would almost put the emphasis on full mm. because people, people will sit down and they'll like take the verbal section and then be done and, they'll, and, and take one verbal section on the GRE, right? And there's two and then finish it. And they're like, okay, I took a practice exam. And it's like, well, I mean, the, the thing that's about the GRE is it is a performance, right? It's like a mental performance, like you're in a sports game, kind of. And so you need to simulate the whole thing. You need to actually do the whole three-hour test in a in a representative way, right? With the time limit and doing it all in order. I mean, I guess you could pick what orders of the sections you want to do it, which is fine. Uh, you won't get to that on the real thing, but like... Do all of it. Even do the writing part, right? Like you, you want to, you're like building a muscle for this stuff. And also you're not going to get great data if you don't actually keep
1: the sit, the situation apples to apples. A hundred percent. And it's, I I think about, um, so when Steph Curry is training that it, it kind of doesn't matter if he can make a bunch of three point shots when his legs are fresh, he has to go through a ridiculously draining workout and then still be able to hit those shots because just like you on test day, you're not doing those math questions in the last section. When you're fresh, you need to be able to do that after you've been chugging away at this stuff for three and a half hours. So I, I like that emphasis, the, that the, it's not really a practice test unless it's a full practice test.
0: Right. And also I, I love, I mean, as a, as a Bay area person, I love the Steph Curry analogy. Cause I just saw my friend shared a video where he was Throwing from the opposite corner like full court shots like slinging it with one arm and he hit five of them in a row and he like ran out the room like he was super excited (laughs) But it's just like there's no way you could hit five full court shots in a row in a real game like there's just no way right like but
1: in a practice setting you do it and you're like cool i've i've nailed this right (laughs) absolutely if your your practice should be tougher than test day so that on test day feels like a walk in the park because you've been here and you've already done something more difficult. Right,
0: exactly. Um, and then my other follow-up on the, um, on taking the practice exams too is like, and I mean, we we kind of like, are, like again, not trying to pitch Achievable, our software program does this, but I think a lot of other people could benefit from doing the same thing, which is that you, you should not look at studying as a straight line where you just, you start at A and you go down to Z and you never look back at what you did. You should always be like checking in and you should always be going back and reviewing what you've already learned. And if you've got it nailed, great, like don't worry about it that much. Like maybe do like a set of, pr- of practice problems for it. But if you're if it's still something that you're kind of getting like 70, 75% of the problems right, like you want to bring those up to like 85, 90% success rate, right? So you should always be like trying to look back and review what you've already learned, um, but while you're continuing to learn the new
1: things. Absolutely. And it's, and I think it's a great way to make sure that we don't get complacent. And we see a, a pattern that um, it certainly doesn't apply to all students, but it is not uncommon to see a student take an initial practice test. They do some some tutoring test preparation. Their score starts to go up. They take another practice test. It shows good progress. They're feeling pretty good about things they go, maybe they've got another practice test in between, and then they go to take one that they're hoping is their final practice test. And at this point, they've been at it for a couple months, they're feeling pretty good. And sometimes they'll take that test, and their score drops a little bit. And this, I think, can be one of the most important moments for a student, because more often Mm -hmm. than not, what's happened there is they weren't making new mistakes they made old mistakes that they might have forgotten about or things that they just they were a little bit too comfortable with some of their algebra operations and forgot that they have to be paying attention to sign errors or things like that and so right. um a lot of times they they might see that in a test it's it's great when it's a practice test because you get that last reminder you you got to stay on top of this on test day i think a lot of times it it primes students to make a great leap on the following test because they've had that important reminder that you've, you've gotten good at some of the tough stuff and it doesn't mean we, we can be complacent about the things that feel easier for us. Right. And, and also something that was on another
0: episode um, that I recorded earlier too, is that the GRE, and, and I think the um, the person I interviewed like wrote questions for them. So this feels like it's pretty good, pretty good source on this information. Though everything on this podcast, obviously, we can't really like <laughs> we can't bring the ETS people on here to tell us the truth because uh, they wouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> but it's competitive intelligence. But uh, his his thing was, or what he said was basically that like GRE problems have a difficulty scale that tracks right. Like they have an adaptive test and they give you different problems depending on how you do. Um, but that that difficulty scale is correlated to. How many points you get if you are successful, but also how many points you miss if you are f- if you fail if you if you get it wrong. So it's actually better to not get easy problems wrong than to get hard problems right when it comes to like your overall score. Like if you got some super hard problems correct and you also got some super easy problems wrong, it would kind of balance out and it might even be a net negative right so it's really it's really important yeah to keep to keep on top of all the little stuff that you learned in the beginning a hundred percent
1: yeah all right and then wrapping up here with number five so number five again something that I, i hope is a good guiding principle for us in in life as in tests uh which is to ask for help to remember that you are not the first person and you will not be the last person to have prepared for and taken these tests, which means there mm-hmm. is a wealth of resources. And whether that is turning to a Reddit forum, hiring a private tutor, enlisting, uh, enlisting an online or digital tool that's going to, to help you through your process, you don't have to go it alone. And if some of these steps feel daunting, if, if you're not quite sure, well, what is the difficult stuff that I should be practicing? Or maybe you're having trouble understanding some of your mistakes to recognize that there is, you don't get any bonus points for having self-studied your way through the GRE. Uh, So to encourage folks, look for help. It's out there. And sometimes that can also come in the form of an accountability partner. You might have friends in your graduating class or, or in your social sphere who are also getting ready for a test. And you don't necessarily have to study with them, but just to have somebody that you can check in with and and sort of help keep momentum. Uh, I I think it's I like the saying that test prep is a team sport because it so often I think we we envision taking these tests in isolation in one testing center and it's a very sort of sterile and lonely experience, but mm-hmm. just because you have to take the test alone doesn't mean that your process up to that point should be a solo expedition. For sure.
0: And there's some even like, I know that, you know, affordability is often the biggest barrier for people getting extra tools. Right. Cause I think if you have a lot of money, you know, you can get the $1,500 live online class sure. and get like a live tutor. Um, a lot of the self-study courses are very affordable um, and then also like there's, I think, um, his name is Greg Matt. I think his, his, he has like a little study community that's super affordable. Uh, I think it's like less than $20 a month. So, awesome. um, and he's not even, he's not even affiliated with us, but just like, there's, there's tons of options. There's even, you know, I, I think Khan Academy, while it's not explicitly labeled GRE, they cover a lot of the same concepts. And then there's stuff on YouTube, right? Like we Achievable has a YouTube channel that we're just starting to fill in with GRE things, but there's a ton of others. And I mean, honestly, like at this point, if I want to learn pretty much anything, <laughs> I just go <laughs> the first stop is YouTube, right? Um, there's such good resources on there, and most of the people that are doing it are not, you know pitching you the whole time. They're really adding value. Um, and then I love the accountability partner thing as well. I think that's a great idea. Uh, most of the time, also, even if you don't have other people that are taking the test with you at the same moment um, or taking a test, you can also find trade accountability partnerships for anything. You could keep them accountable on their workout schedule, right? Um, or you could be your mom and you just tell your mom what you did. The, the key thing is that all else equal, more studying generally means better scores. And then all else equal, studying consistently over time is better than cramming mm-hmm. right it's much better to do like 2 hours a week for 10 weeks than to do
1: 20 hours in the last week yeah right? for sure for sure which is i it's, th- these tests we we encourage folks if you are if you are just now thinking about the GRE you're probably thinking about taking it for the first time anywhere from two to four months out from, from now, depending on where you're starting and and what your goals are. So it is, it is a marathon, not a sprint. And it, it makes sense to treat it like one.
0: Yeah. And to treat it like, like we both said earlier, like it's, it's a sport, you know, you gotta, you gotta train, you gotta get ready for game day, (laughs) get your head on straight um well great anything else
1: you want to cover on these five topics before we wrap up i don't i don't think there's anything in particular i would just encourage students to stick with it and to not be disheartened if they feel like they are not making as much progress as they hope to as quickly as they hope to i i love Mm. your comment about it not being a linear process and there are there are weeks where they'll make leaps and bounds and there are weeks where it's just a grind and you might feel like it's maybe you're learning things, but your score isn't going up. And that, that really is how the process, how the process goes. So above all yeah. else, sticking with it through to the bitter end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree with that for sure. Great. This has been Jerry snacks hosted by Tyler from achievable with Travis Miner from open door education. Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free at achievable.me,
1: and if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.